Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You are listening to Any Given Sunday, a part of the Dead End Podcast Network. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all other podcasting services. Please make sure you check out Dead End Hip Hop, Dead End Sports, Dead End Gaming, Is the Mic Still On, Chris Platt's Strictly Hip Hop and Hoops Talk, and a host of other shows on our podcast network. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Yo, what up? Welcome to Any Given Sunday for Sunday, October 20th, 2019. I am your host, Manny Brown. What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Hopefully you guys had a happy, safe, blessed week. My guest this week is a guy that I've been trying to have on the show for a minute. It's been almost a year since we've been trying to book this appearance, um, but through life and a bunch of other instances, we just... Things kept getting in the way, and but we finally were able to get this thing on and popping. Um, a joyous occasion indeed, obviously, with the release of Joker. We're two big comic book nerds, so we figured this would be a good time to have him on the show uh, to review this amazing film that's out right now. If you have not seen that, I don't know why. Go see it. Um, my man Jeff Jones, host of Jeff versus the World podcast. Welcome to Any Given Sunday. What's up, man? What's going on? Nothing much, man. Nothing much. I was joking on the intro there that uh, it's been a minute, man. It's been a year since we've uh, been trying to get this uh, this appearance booked, and, and 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 now in one day we've got this is the second show that we, we're doing. Yeah, see, funny how things work out that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so I actually just did about thirty-five minutes or so reviewing Joker on his po- podcast, Jeff versus the World, and he'll let you know everything about that podcast in a second. Um, so yeah, when this podcast drops, just if you guys want to listen to it in conjunction, listen to Jeff versus the World first, and then listen to our podcast. We won't specifically spend all of our time talking about Joker. Um, we'll break it up and we'll talk about a couple other p- topics as, as we normally do but um yeah if you want to listen to jeff versus the world then listen to us you're more than welcome to do that um it'll 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 go to get it'll go well together so yeah definitely man but um jeff man welcome to the podcast man um before we get started though um i like to give my guests that have been on the show that have never been on the show before you know just uh, you know just have them give themselves a brief bio introduce themselves to the audience let the audience know who are they and um yeah, just tell your life story, man. In a, in, in, in a few minutes or so. <laughs> hey, is is I'm Jeff Jones. I'm originally from Petersburg, Virginia. I now live in New York, New York, Manhattan. Um, I have a wife. I have a family, uh, and I just like to do nerd stuff. You know, I like wrestling. I like uh, comic books, comic movies, movies, TV, anything and everything that's nerdy. You can probably 
figure I have my hands in it. Um, I also have a podcast, Jeff versus the World, where I go and I talk to many different people from other podcasts. And sometimes I will be solo, but we talk for everything from movies, reviewing old movies. Uh, this Tuesday, we are actually starting our hood classics, hood classics with my man Shahid. We're doing New Jack City first. Um, we just finished the Rocky movies. Uh, you know, we've done other movies, up-to-date movies as far as like X-Men, uh, anything and everything you could think of. That's what I'm going to review. Uh, I have Thursday nights I do uh, wrestling. Uh, Tuesdays is usually where I would do movies. And you can catch me on any or somebody else's podcast talking about the same type of things. Cool, 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 man. I just want to let you know that I really enjoy your show. Obviously, we we have you on the podcast, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of the show, man, especially when you do the old school reviews, man. That's that's definitely up my alley. I love listening to you talk about and break down uh, films that all of us have seen at least once in our lives, but it's always good to kind of get a fresh perspective on them and look at them from a different lens, from a 2019 lens. You know, it's like you're looking at the Rocky films, Ooh, you know, yeah. going through, <laughs> going through, you know, go, going through the hood classes will be fun. Um, yeah, so I really, really enjoy that, man. And if you guys haven't listened to Jeff, man, it's a dope, dope podcast. Go check it out for real. Um, what got you into podcasting, man? What was like, what was, you know, b- before we kind of get into our content, you know, just a little bit about you, um, you know, what got you into podcasting? What was the thing that you can point to that said, I want to be a podcaster? I think we're really, I always had this idea of having my own podcast. And I think mm-hmm. we really pushed it was just listening and hearing and well, not even hearing, but I would hear like, certain people of color color doing podcasts and i was just like it wasn't enough and i just felt like i had a voice and i wanted to say some things and maybe i could bring a different perspective or do something different with the things that i like to do or i like to talk about and and what really did it was uh, you know i got my man uh cameron hawkins uh from south congress he just shout out the cam shout out the cam (laughs) he pushed me over the edge and you know after i had a conversation with him uh last year uh, around the summertime, we were talking. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and start to do my own thing. And from there, I'm here now. What has been the biggest challenge so far? Because it's always good to talk to new podcasters. Because I've been doing this for three years. And I'm still fairly new. Like, I still feel like I'm new at it. You know, but it's always good to, like, you just, what, you just a little bit under a year, right? So Yeah, a little bit under um, a year. So what's been the biggest challenge so far in podcasting? Like, what's been the biggest, like, eye-opening moment that you didn't think, like, would be a big challenge for you? I think the biggest challenge for me is stop comparing myself to everyone else, because I think that I have a tendency to say I don't sound like them when I'm on on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I get in my own head and I think I got to think I I tell him all the time. Shahid, when he comes on and do the movie reviews, he don't know how much that means to me because it's easy to get behind the microphone sometimes and, you know, just talk or whatever. Cause everybody can do that. Right. I mean, not everybody can do that, but everybody has an opinion about something, but it's certain things that, you know, certain podcasters do that make themselves stick out. And I think the biggest thing with, I learned with Shahid is just, no, just go ahead and just get on the microphone and talk. Just talk. Like he hasn't said that to me, but I just listen to him when he gets on with me. And now I've just taken that on where I just, you know, I'm feeling more comfortable behind the microphone because those first couple of episodes, it was shaky. <laughs> it was shaky. And I was for like, everybody, uh, man, for everybody, trust me, for everybody it is. 
But you know what the funny thing is? And then after I would do it, I would listen to other people and I just be like, uh oh, I don't sound like that. You know, my vocabulary doesn't sound like that vocabulary. Or I hear my, you know, my country Virginia accent coming out. Oh, uh, so <laughs> yeah, when I get in my head, that's when I stop. But I just now I'm just like, whatever. So I'm cool with it now. But they, that's that's been the biggest thing so far. And the one small thing is just that I think sometimes people think like I'm a podcaster and I'm doing this big thing and I'm really not. I mean, it's a right. big thing to me because like I was telling my wife, I feel like this is like my personal diary. Sometimes I can just get on here and talk about anything and everything that I want to talk about or want to share. And some people come in with, you know, whatever motives they have. I'm like, oh, you know, A, B, C, and D. and I'm just like, no, it's not like that. Like what you thinking it is, is not like that. So they think it's a lot more glitzier and glamorous than what it looks Yeah. Really and it's not like, I'm not, I'm not working for, you know, a company that's paying me to actually get on here. So I would love to, that would be great, right. <laughs> right. but I'm not, it's just me in my bedroom and with my microphone and with my laptop. Yeah, man. And, I, and, I, and I've shared that thing, uh, that same thing, too, because, of course, when you tell people you host a podcast, like, oh, you host a podcast. Oh, what, what are you on? Are you on CBS? Are you like, no, no <laughs> like, you know, like they just don't understand or conceptualize like a podcast is something that I can do in, in a room and I can upload it to the world and, you know, whatever. Like, so they don't. So and, and it's a lot of it is just people that just don't understand podcasts. Like they may yeah. listen to them, but they're not hardcore fans of podcasts like that. So they don't understand how it works. You know, yeah. so um, have you? Here's here's an here's an interesting one. Can you listen to yourself on episodes? Like, can you? Do you have a hard time listening to yourself on episodes even now that you've been doing it for almost a year? Um, I try to avoid it. Um, yeah. Sometimes here. I have to when I edit. Uh, like if somebody say, "Hold," you know, if I got to edit something out and something happened, mm-hmm. I have to listen right, to right, it. Right. But other than that, I try to avoid it because I always feel like whatever I'm saying. I'm good with it. Like, I'm not going to sit back and say, oh, I shouldn't have said that because, again, I'll get, I'm, I'm so easy to get inside my own head and be, you know, start nitpicking. I know how I would be listening to myself. And I tried to with the first episode. And it was just the cringiest thing that I had to, <laughs> that I had to listen to myself. <laughs> and, you know, my wife was like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, you got to grow. You got to grow. It's like reps. And that's what everybody told me, you know, the more and more you do it, the better and better you'll get with it. And it'll be, you know, it'll become natural to you. So, yeah, I just I just I just still avoid it, though. I don't like hearing myself. Yeah, me too. It's the same thing. Like I, I, I give it to other people. So it's almost like my proofreading session before I even edit. I give it to somebody else to listen to. I can't listen to it myself. Like even to this day, I've never I think I've only listened to maybe two episodes, like full episodes from like you know, beginning to end of myself on a podcast. Ooh, like, I, I, I cannot listen to myself. I cannot listen to my, and I've done, you know, not the like boast or anything, but like I've done a lot of podcasts. I've done a lot of podcast appearances and I just cannot, I can't listen to myself. And, and people have said, Oh, you sound great. You sound natural, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like I, I can't, I can't do it. I just cannot. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's weird, man. I can't do it. And editing is the worst. Cause it's like me, I'm a natural perfectionist. So you're just, you're just like, why did I say that there? Ugh, yeah. Why did I pronounce that word that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's just, I get it. I get it, man. I get it. Um, who were some of your podcasts that you look for for inspiration? Like, is there a podcast in particular that you look for as your inspiration? Uh, or there's, are there a list of podcasts that you look for inspiration? Yeah, I think it's like a list. Um, 
like I said, uh, Cam with South Congress, uh, mm-hmm. Rich, anytime he does his show on Saturday, I listen to um, Ron Funches. I don't know if you listen to his podcast. Uh, no, I, I'm not familiar, no. Kevin Smith podcast. Um, okay. Just a lot of, you know, just a lot of different podcasts because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts. I'm like, no, not really, because yeah. I want to, I just listen to a lot of different stuff and it's just easier for me to do it that way. Like, I like the guys, I don't know if you heard it, it's called uh, Bad Movie Things, where they just sit back yeah, and watch I've, a lot I've of bad that. movies. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else? Um, How Did This Get Made? I, stuff like that is the things that I listen to and like I just find it so interesting and in, in how they interact with each other and how they do their podcast and those like the people that uh, inspire me when I listen to podcasts and stuff like that not to mention I thought no I'm missing one more and I was just like right there and somebody gonna make my get mad I hope they don't get mad no, you but good. yeah you those I'm sure you think about it I'm sure you think about it as the episode goes goes along yeah today. yeah that's what's up. That's that's awesome, man. Um, I, I, I'm kind of similar too in that, like, so I host predominantly a sports show, but mm-hmm. I don't listen to a lot of sports podcasts. Like, I honestly yeah. don't really listen to. Like, I listen to some of my friends' podcasts, and and yeah. that's about it. So I like maybe a handful, but the majority of other podcasts that I listen to are just other genres like wrestling, um, movies, music, uh, news. I'm a big political podcast person. So I listen to a lot of political podcasts. So, so yeah. I, I actually listen to those podcasts and kind of get with things that they're doing there and pick up on things. And then I try to incorporate it into my show. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of pick the brain of another podcaster to see, like, are you, are you just a psychopath that you do things your way or is this more in common than meets the eye? So it's, it's yeah, because <laughs> it's funny. Cause like I love sports, but I think, I listen to your podcast and maybe um, Colin Coward, Coward, mm, Coward okay. I guess how you say it. But the, other than, other than anybody else's podcast, I don't listen to nothing else really. Spa sports, really. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that I'm I'm in the same breath as, as Colin Coward. Uh, I really appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate that. Well, you know, you know the funny thing about Colin Coward is I used to I couldn't stand him for, and then all of a sudden one day I was just listening to his podcast. And he has a way of making things easier to explain. Like he can right. he's everyday very, life. Very good at that. He's yeah. very good at putting everyday life with sports. And I just love that's one thing I love about him. Sometimes he's he can still get on. He's great at anal- anal- analyzing things from a sports perspective, but he's what mm-hmm. makes him brilliant is that he ties everything to real world perspectives. So yeah. he's, great, he's a great analogous in that in that regard. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, man. But I pre- I appreciate that, man. That's 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 high regard there. It's Cowan Cowherd and <laughs> Manny right there. I, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. No, uh, man, but um yeah, I feel you, man. It, it, it's it's weird how you're you if you do a podcast in a certain genre, you don't listen to some of the similar podcasts in your genres. It's weird. It's, it's yeah. weird how and how that works out. Just starting a wrestling podcast, I have like I think I'm in week four about to happen and I really haven't been listening to wrestling podcasts. Really? It's like, I, yeah, cause I'm just like, I don't want them to, I want to have an opinion when I get on the microphone and I, like I said, I do it every Thursday. So when I get on Thursday, I don't want to have something that Wade Keller right. said in my head or something right. that, uh, Rich might've said, like, I'll listen after that. I'll listen to their shows, but like, I'm like during the week, 
uh, Monday and Wednesday, I stay away from wrestling podcasts because I just wanted my own opinion to be out there. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that's cool. That, that's that's really dope, man. And you mentioned you're a big sports fan. So before before we get into the sports aspect, though, um, Petersburg, Virginia. How did you end up in New York? A wife. Life. Okay. Life. <laughs> life, life. Yeah. Total sense, my no. brother. I get it. Yeah. So how long you been in New York? Uh, I have been here since, oof, let's see, 2011. Oh, wow. Okay. So what, eight years now? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So how, do you, so how do you like New York? Obviously, you you settled down and stayed. So I, I, I think you like it. How, how do you like New York? Uh, love, hate. Love, hate. Okay, so I'm, a, I'm. You know me. I'm a born and raised New Yorker. So I, I, I definitely got. It's a love, hate. What, what do you, what do you hate about New York? The people. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's only, it's only the commute. That's all it really is. It's the commute. Okay. Like because we just decided, you know, we're not gonna get a vehicle because that'll just be extra money for no reason. Right. So it's just like me getting on the subway today, going home and all the bums there. There's Coda on the train. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, please get out of here. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, it's just other than that, it's fine. It's, 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 it's a it's an amazing place to live. Like you can do any and everything at any time, pretty much like you don't have to. You can travel easy. It's just sometimes the people, especially in the morning rush, it's just it's a little overwhelming. It's not now. Now it's just more aggravating and like, ugh, I got to get up in the morning and deal with these people trying to get to work. And so, like when the people say New York is fast, that's what pretty much they mean. It's just fast. People just go, go, go. And contrast that to life in in Petersburg. Like, so you spent your whole life in, in Petersburg, Virginia? Pretty much. Okay. Pretty so, much. so contrast it's that like, to VA and and just blowing up and yeah, yeah. Very slow. Um, okay. Like here, if I want to go to go get something to eat, I can just go outside and cross the street pretty much or go right. around the corner. At all hours of the night and day. Yeah. In Petersburg, Virginia, I have to get in the car, drive 10 minutes, <laughs> pick up my food and drive 10 minutes back. So it's just like, you know, it's just it's a, it's, it's different living. It's different living. And your, and your wife is originally from New York? Yeah. She's from Brooklyn. Okay. 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 So a Brooklyn girl. Okay. So she she she's a strong strong woman. Strong woman. She's Brooklyn. Girl. That's a strong woman right there. Yeah, you. you know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I ain't gonna get you in trouble. I ain't gonna get you in trouble. No, it's all good. Uh, so living in New York, have you been? Have you got into the New York sports teams? What sports teams do you root for? Absolutely none of them. No, let me stop. Really? Okay. Yes, I. Okay. Don't tell Everybody me you're a Yankee fan, bro. Don't tell no, me you're a Yankee no, fan. No, no, no. Okay. All right. I'm actually a Chicago Cubs fan. I'm a Chicago <sighs> Cubs fan. I am a Minnesota Vikings football team fan. I'm a Minnesota Timberwolves basketball fan. And I'm a New York Rangers hockey fan. Okay. Okay. There we go. There we go. Okay. All right. Cubs, I don't know about. I'm, uh, I'm a Mets fan, so I hate the Cubs. And Minnesota. Why Minnesota? You, you like two Minnesota teams. Why Minnesota? Um... Okay, this is gonna be hard to explain. Okay, again, so I'm, so I'm from Petersburg, Virginia, right? So there's really no team for us to 
gravitate towards. Now, if you go there, you're either going to have a bunch of Redskin fans or a bunch of Cowboy fans. That's the reality of it. If you go to Petersburg, Virginia. And I just didn't like any of those teams at all. So when I started to learn the game of uh, football, Minnesota, I would just see Minnesota and they just, I just gravitated towards them. I don't know why. I it was just something that the babies just liked them. I don't know what it was. I was just like, oh, I like them. And then I became, oh, I got to watch Vikings games. And as I got older, oh, I got to buy, <laughs> I got to buy the dish. <laughs> oh, I got to buy uh, <laughs> the TV so I can see all their games. So it just grew, grew, and grew. And here we are. The Timberwolves, it's hard to explain with the Timberwolves. For the simple fact, I used to be um, a Michael Jordan fan. I was never necessarily a Bulls fan. I was just, I just loved Michael Jordan. So after Michael right. Jordan retired, I really didn't have a team or anything. I really never, never really had a team. And I was just like, something about the Timberwolves, again, you know, I was just like, I like the Timberwolves and it just stuck. I know it sounds crazy. I know how things are, but it's just the way it is. And I'm the type of person, like, I know some people can, you know, hop from team to team. I just never been that guy. Just like the Cubs, you don't know how a couple of years ago, four four years ago when they won a championship, how excited I was just for the simple fact of I've been with this team like years and we were just the lovable losers, lovable losers. And all of a sudden to win that championship, I was like, oh, this feels so good. And I'm hoping it's going to happen with uh, at least at least the Vikings eventually. I don't know about the Timberwolves because. They just seem like, you know, they build up superstars for the for them to lead, but it is what it is. Interesting. So Timberwolves, Vikings, Cubs, New York Rangers. Okay. Interesting. It's an interesting a lot assortment of, of teams there. That's what's up. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. I guess. It's a it's a good good little quite quite little nice mix there. Um Talk about the being a Cubs fan in that championship. Like, like I can only like I I, I kind of imagine what it, what it would be like to be a Jet a Cubs fan because I'm a Jets fan and I've never in my life seen the Jets in the Super Bowl or God forbid even win the Super Bowl. It's been 51 years. Uh, would you as a Cubs fan like explain that feeling of that final out in 2016 and just like. Oh shit! This really happened. Like I'm, we're World Series champions. Like explain. Yo, real talk. I remember that night. I remember I stayed up. I remember everything about that. Night. I remember a tear came out my eye. But the simple fact, it was just like for years, and I mean years and years and years, we just had. We were just like the lovable losers. We would just be the team that oh they're gonna lose, they're gonna lose, and we came close. Uh, the whole Steve Bartman thing that happened and that team was really good that didn't do it and it was just like right. I always thought was that the team that, that's going to get the closest and that was it and to see that team and see what, uh, uh, what Mark, Mark what's his name Mark Madden I, think I, can't, remember, I can't remember my damn coach name he's gone now <laughs> but he just brought that energy to the team that the team needed to get over the hump and to finally win that championship to see the Chicago Cubs World Series champs was like some back to the future nonsense. <laughs> I just didn't think I just didn't think it was I was gonna ever see it. I just thought I would just be I'll just be one of those teams that will never see it, but it happened and it was just like, yo, if we never win one again in my lifetime, I got to see the Cubs win a championship. And I can, you know, I'll always remember that. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's it's I even though I can't stand the Cubs, 
I it, it, it did feel cool to finally see y'all win. Like it was just like it's. It, it, do, it, do you notice that the fan base has changed since the championship? Like, do you guys feel like you guys have? I, I know you. Don't, I know you can't speak for every Cubs fan, but do you feel like Cubs Nation has changed a little bit? Like, as the championship kind of made you guys mellow out a little bit more, or do you guys just kind of like, okay, we want we got one championship, we want more? Um, I think it mellowed us out. But I think you still have that that social media Cubs fan that's like greedy and oh we should be right. doing this isn't like now don't get it twisted I'll complain all year that our pitching was horrible you we could score ten runs and by the fifth inning it's like twelve ten and we end up losing the game like what the heck like but I don't know it just it's it felt like it mellowed out the year after you know people were thinking we can go back to back and win it again. Which was, I mean, pretty much had the same team constructed. So I can understand why certain people were feeling the same way that we could do it again. But I think it's a thing of the expectations are now that when we say this can be our year, it's not like uh, the major league movie where they were just saying, oh, this is going to be the the Cleveland Indians year. It's no, (laughs) it's really, it's, we got the bats. It's just if we can get the pitching together, we'll be back. We could be back there. We honestly could be back there again. Um. Yeah, y'all can be. I don't. I. I love y'all, GM. But I. I will admit he's he's made some terrible moves. Um. Some pitching, especially on the pitching side with free agency. Um. I don't understand yeah. letting Joe Madden go. I don't understand that. Um. And then you're about to bring in some novice manager who's never managed a day in his life. That's a Theo guy. That's he's one of these new age analytical managers. I'm not gonna get into a rant so much, but. Um. Yeah, so I mean, look, the, the Cubs are a weird team. Like, it was weird watching that team all year because it it, it felt like they underachieved so much. Like, it just kind of yeah. like, and I know they had some injuries that they had to you know withstand, but but that's every team. But it mm-hmm. just it just it just y'all just didn't feel right all year. It just kind of felt like it was up and down. Y'all weren't as ta- like y'all had it was an up and down year, and you guys didn't play as well as the talent on the field suggested y'all should play because you know y'all still have a quality team. I mean, Rizzo's a great player. Brian, mm-hmm. although he's always hurt, he's a great player. Baez is just coming to his own. Um, so y'all have a good building block there still in place. Uh, y'all also had some weird situations going on. Like, I've never seen a dude miss basically the entire year because of a divorce in Ben Zobris. I, I didn't understand that whole situation at all. Yeah, it's um, like it was a lot, lot more going on than that. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot more going on and I ain't, I'm not going to get into it, but yeah, it just, it just was weird. And then, of course, you had Addison Russell and then the stuff stemming from the, the season prior with the restraining order against his wife, girl, whatever it was. And he's just he's been a disappointment. And then Jason Hayward. I mean, I still can't believe y'all gave Jason Hayward one hundred eighty million dollars like. I, I me both. Yeah. <laughs> I, that contract, and I said and I and this isn't just. You know, me saying that now, I said it when it was first signed. I was like, word? Jason Hayward? 184 million? Like, you know, did you not watch Jason Hayward in Atlanta? Like, what? What? Did, uh, yeah, I, I didn't understand that. One, but. Yeah, I just figured we were just handing out money that day. I was like, what is happening right now? Like, if he can get that much, how much can I get? <laughs> and then and then I think the thing that's hurt y'all, too, is not keeping Chapman. Like, y'all traded Gla- Glaber Torres for Chapman. Like, Chapman has to be a part of the Cubs here and now like and in the future like he has to be a cub for the next few years and he, i mean he got the last out of the world series or he didn't yeah i out. didn't but i didn't understand he was the closer on the winning yeah I, I, why did y'all let him walk it, it's 
beyond me. And then y'all let Wade Davis walk too. Another great closer. It just, it, yeah, it didn't, it didn't, I don't understand what the Cubs are doing, honestly. I, mean, you know, I, think I, I sound like a Cub fan talking to y'all. Theo got a little too cute and thought he could finesse, <laughs> finesse and just bring new well, people. Theo, look, I've always said this. I've always said this. Theo is great at building an organization from the ground up. He's good at hiring an infrastructure, hiring a good scout. He's a great scouting. He's a great, he's great with player development. He, he, he's great with all of those things. The one area of weakness that Theo has is free agency. And he's been bad at the, at free agency. Like look at, I mean, if you go back outside of John Lester and David Ortiz, David Ortiz mm-hmm. with the Red Sox, where he basically found David Ortiz from the scrap heap. And John Lester, giving John Lester and signing John Lester to that free agent contract before the 2015 season. Um, outside of that, he's been terrible. I mean, look at his track record. I mean, J.D. Drew in Boston, um, you know, Lugo in Boston. I mean, all the, I mean, Matt Clement. I mean, now with the Cubs. I mean, he's just been bad at free agency. So, yeah, man, I, I, I yeah, Theo has just been really bad at free agency. That's, that's his one week for as great as he is, for as great as he is. Yeah, we'll see how this about, plays out. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, man, the Vikings and the Timberwolves. Okay, man. I mean, hey, you know, the Vikings are doing something this year. Um, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I, I, oh, speaking, about bad con- speaking about bad contracts, man. Oh, um, although he's starting to turn it around. Although he's no, no, starting no, no. to turn it around. Don't, don't get me started. Don't, don't, don't. Don't get don't you started? started. Yeah, hey, man, because... Sunday, man. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. Listen, Break it up. Break it up. Go ahead. Listen. My brother, release. I have did my what sports show, I think, uh, what was it, week four, uh, week three. Whatever that week was that he had that awful game. And mm-hmm. I've just come to agreement that Kirk Cousins will, Kirk Cousins is going to be the guy that will put up numbers. He, he, he'll probably break some records. I don't know what type of records. He'll probably break some records. But I feel like he has that Romo uh, – glitch where when you need him and when you need that one play it's either something bad's going to happen. Either he's going to fumble the ball or either he's going to throw an interception. I just don't feel comfortable with Kirk Cousins as our quarterback. There's nothing we can do about it now because he's got guaranteed money and he's only in his second year. We've got one more year to go after this. Um, he's a, I think he's a great mid quarterback. That's what he is. With you, with the games that you saw, um, the Eagles games and the Giants game, yeah, that's 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 pretty much good, Kirk Cousins. But he's a tease. He's a tease. He's a tease. Yeah, and you know, I didn't understand that when everybody, you know, all the Washington fans was like, "Oh, good, you can have him. You can have him. You can have him." I was like, "Wait a minute, we got a lot of weapons around, so he should be straight." And yeah, I see what's happening, but also I'm not going to put all the blame on him. Because I do also think you've paid him this much money. Um, and like Thielen said, you can't run. To, it, once people lock in on the run, you got to throw. And that game where we just kept trying to run, kept trying to run. And I guess I don't know if we were trying to hide or try to just, I mean, we know what Kirk Cousins in. Throw the ball. Let it rip. Like is well, that's a, Well, that's the problem with the quarterback. No, but I'm saying that, that's the problem when you have a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, who you just don't trust with the ball because yeah, essentially he's he's a liability. Essentially, like if you're Zimmer, and I like Zimmer as a head coach, but I think he feels like I'm not going to put too much on Kirk Cousins' plate. 
I'm just not going like if I have to rely on Kirk Cousins to win me a football game, I'm inherently going to lose because he's just shown it time and time again. Yes, he's had moments of brilliance. He's had moments. And I'm a, and I'm I'm a, I don't want to say I'm a Kirk Cousins apologist. Like I, I've been a defender of Kirk Cousins. Like I think he's better than people make him out to be. Um and I think that we're in a conundrum in the NFL between fans. Like, I think everybody thinks that guys like Tom Brady, guys like Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, you know, but, you know, the great, the elite quarterbacks, everybody just thinks that these guys just grow on trees. They don't. For every Tom Brady, there's a Jake Cutler. For every Ben Roethlisberger, there's a Marcus Mariota. Like, these guys just don't grow on trees. So the fact that if you're able to get just a solid quarterback, a semi-competent quarterback, a guy that you can, you know, that you can rely on to at least keep you in most ball games, then I think you're doing better off than a lot of the teams in the NFL right now because well, my pro- these my guys just is, don't grow on trees. My problem is we paid this excessive amount of money and we just could have kept Teddy Bridgewater or Case Keenum. We could have just kept one of them. If this but is the way you were going to if, if this, But he's better this, than them, though. I understand. But if you're going to manage him like he's not better than them, then you should have just kept true. one. That's because true. Yeah. No, I'm, that's looking true. At, that, that's true. I'm looking at what Sean Payton doing with Teddy Bridge, but I'm like, listen, uh, old boy, um, Drew Brees can retire and the Saints will still be okay. They will still be okay. They will still be a contending playoff team. Case Keenum, I don't know how much talent is in Denver. I don't pay. Oh, no, is he in Denver? No, he's in Washington now. So I, he's in Washington. Yeah, yeah so I, I, that speaks for itself. Case, and, Case Keenum was a one-year wonder. Case Keenum was a product of a system that was perfect for him with weapons around him that, you know, Case Keenum was a one-year project. You guys were right not to invest money in Case Keenum because it would have been a disaster. You guys would have been upset or more at the fact that Case Keenum got paid – money. Now, it wouldn't have been the long-term commitment that, say, a Cousins would have been, but you guys would have stayed. It wouldn't have worked out. As far as Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy got hurt, so you can't really blame that on the Vikings. He got hurt. I don't think the, I don't think a lot of teams thought that Teddy Bridgewater was going to ever come back to be even a solid, even a respectable quarterback. Um, I, look, I don't, blame the, I don't blame the Vikings for going after Kirk Cousins. I think they were a team that felt like, look, with the weapons we have, with the defense we have, with the coaching staff that we have, we're one position away from a Super Bowl, and that was the quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, they, they weren't getting an Aaron Rodgers. They weren't getting a Tom Brady. So the next so that next tier quarterback is available and he's a free agent. You know, that's the guy you're going to have. And yes, they paid an inordinately absorbent amount of money to get him. But that's the market. You know, you're only worth what a team is willing to pay you. Yeah, I get I Listen, I've had this discussion. I get it. I, I, I think I've come into my mind to understand what Kirk Cousins is. He's not that bad, like everybody says, and he's not that good, like I initially thought. I think he's just a mid-quarterback that if everything plays right for him, he had, he's wonderful. But if you get in these shootouts and you get into these one-play games, I don't trust him. And I'm not sure that the coaching staffs even trust him. Yeah, you know, he's, he played great against um, Philly, but everything was just working. A lot of misdirection, uh, a lot of just great play calling in that uh, Eagles game that showed more of his strength than his weaknesses. He's great off play action. Um, I'm just not, I'm, I'm just not, you know, I'm just not getting my hopes up. I think that's what it was because I had high hopes at the beginning of this season. And I know how bad it can be, and I know how good it can be. So I'm just kind of like right now, I'm just kind of you know cruising. Like we, you know, we'll see what happens. But it's like somebody told me, and I didn't think about it till they, till, till they told me. 
Uh, it was actually Shahid when he was on the show. He said, Minnesota never has a history of great quarterbacks. You know what we do? We find them in free agency or, you know, you, you, it's a trade. But we don't draft great quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Last one was what, Dante Culpepper? That was it. We went through yeah. Christian Ponder, yeah. Tavares Jackson. <laughs> we went through a, a mm-hmm. lot of quarterbacks. Garbage, just garbage. yes. Yeah. Yes. Just, we don't. Yes. We we are yeah. not the team that's going to draft, and maybe one day we will draft a young, you know, future quarterback for the for that for that for our team. But we're just not good at it, and I hope things just play out well this season. We'll see because you never know. That's the one thing about the NFL: injuries, uh, teams because and still early teams can fall off. You just never know. So right now, I like I like the position we're in. That's what I'll say. I'm not I'm not happy with our quarterback. I'm not mad about our quarterback. I'm just indifferent with him right now. Listen, Kirk Cousins is a guy he, I, who I compare him to a lot is Joe Flacco and Eli Manning. They're not great. They're not bad. They're good, solid quarterbacks that can get hot and play great for four or five games. And sometimes that's all you need. Like sometimes, yeah. you know, if you catch these guys at the right time of the year. So like Kirk Cousins is a guy that in January can get hot and he can win you three games and a Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like he can get hot and, and get hot for a series of three games, especially if he's got the offense around him clicking and a defense that's going to, you know, keep him in mo- most ball games. He's a guy like that, that he can get hot and just win you some games. And I think that's the thing that you have to you have to bank on with 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 Kirk Cousins is that, hey, man, we just have to pray and hope that he gets on a hot streak in January and he can he can be a la Eli Manning. He can just win us big games when it matters the most. He hasn't shown that he can do that. So far, but he is capable of doing that. That record against five hundred teams, oof. Huh? We'll yeah, see. it's bad. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. And again, I'm not trying to be. And, I, and look, people people accuse me of being a Kirk Cousins apologist. I'm not. I just listen. I've seen the good and the bad of having a great quarterback, and and I'm and I'm just a realistic person. Like everybody just thinks that these guys just grow on trees. I'm a Jets fan. These guys don't grow on trees. Like you don't just go out there and say, "Yep, I'm just going to draft a great quarterback today." Like that doesn't happen. You want to things go yeah. into it thinking that way, but it doesn't happen. So if you have a semi competent quarterback then I think you have to take advantage of the guy you have. And, and you know, you're in a better position than the Titans in a better position than the Buccaneers who don't have a quarterback, who don't have a quarterback in the future of the now and the future. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I said that. <laughs> Yikes. But, but uh, let's, let's not, let's not get bogged down with the, with the, with the Vikings. Uh, y'all will be all right. Y'all got that. Y'all got a hell of a defense. Y'all got a hell of a defense. Your offensive line looks like it's, it's back to being a, uh, of strength for y'all. Dalvin Cook is a monster. Um, y'all be all right. Y'all will be all right. I think so. It was just surprising that, I mean, it was a couple, I, I will admit, a couple weeks ago, it was looking mag, mighty suspect, you know, yeah. Thielen we, wanted to kill Cousins. And, yeah, I think, they, I think Diggs, Diggs and Thielen might have said, listen, you keep messing this up, we're going to put hands on you. Ever since then, everything's been rocking. I, I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, uh, before we get into the Joker, I just wanted to cover cover a couple topics before we kind of get into the Joker. But um, wrestling, um, mm-hmm. you are a huge wrestling fan like myself, uh, obviously hosted a wrestling podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts so far on AEW, um, the new Wednesday Night War, so to speak? Um, have you been surprised how good AEW has been coming out of the gate? Um what's your thought overall on the presentation of AEW, what, three weeks in now? 
three weeks in, I think AEW is right where they want to be. Um, it seems like to me they have a plan of what they want to do, and they're not altering or moving around because of NXT movements or anything like that. It seems like those guys have a week-to-week idea of where they want to go and who they want to put over. Um, I think Jim Ross, Jim, I, for some reason, you know, I was really down on Jim Ross, but having him with Tony Schiavone, I don't know if that's rejuvenated him or what. He sounds a lot better now than he did on the little sprinkled out shows, the all-in shows and shows here and there they had over the summer. Um, one thing that sticks out to me about uh, AEW is just how the optics is beautiful. It's different. Mm-hmm. It looks different. Mm-hmm. You know, being on TNT, the, the number one thing you didn't want to come out there looking like uh, uh, the recycled WCW Nitro. And it doesn't look like that. It right. looks like something new, fresh. They're in these uh, big arenas. And that's no knock on NXT because, you know, being in Florida, I mean, that's that's the that's the niche. That's the whole thing that got people popping for, you know, the the TV show. Because to me, I feel like a lot of people have the network just to watch or had the network just to watch the NXT shows. Now you just be watching takeovers because now you know they own uh USA. But as far as um AEW mm-hmm. go, I've been really enjoyed. I've enjoyed what they're doing with Jericho. Jericho building a stable. Uh it looks good. The if I had any concerns about um AEW, I feel right now, I think they need, and maybe this might sound crazy, but I've been saying this for the last two weeks. I think I said it on a couple of shows that I feel like that Cody, um, Kenny, and the Bucks are very aware of, you know, what the internet is saying or what, you know, social media is saying about, oh, well, you know, they're only going to book themselves. And I just want them to be cautious of that because I think you have a, a, a superstar in Kenny Omega and I get mm-hmm. they don't want to push him out the jump but you have to give these people who may be casuals that has been saying well what's the hype about him I don't see nothing oh he just got beat up you know you, you want to you don't want to wait too long to really push and show what he can do because you're mm-hmm. in a good space right now where all the eyes are on you and you don't want to lose some of these eyes. Now, granted, they did lose uh, some of the ratings just because that was going to happen because the first week was curiosity. The second week was still that, you know, curiosity. Now, I think after the third week, I think this is the bottom line of viewers that they're going to have. But if you want to attract these new viewers, then I wouldn't hold off on the, the Omega push too long. And I would right. be very... I would be very careful how you use Moxley too, because you don't want to do the stone cold thing. And if you are going to do it, make sure you do it way different from, you know, what we've what we seen over the years, as far as WWE, WWF maybe, but yeah, AW right now for me, it's been great. Uh, it's been actually my favorite show to watch the last uh, three weeks, just because, you know, I love seeing some, something new out there. And these younger guys, uh, like your private parties, uh, your uh, the guy that Jericho went against, I can't think of his name now. Uh, the skateboard uh, kid. Put me on the spot, too. <laughs> yeah, I can't uh, think of his man. name. Uh, God, it'll come to it. It'll come to it. Yeah, it'll come to me. But kind of um, building up the young talent. And it seems like they're not really rushing anything. 
And like I said, they just, they have a plan. They have an idea where they want to go. And even though, you know, uh, NXT may be stacking the deck or they were stacking the deck, stacking the deck that first week of big matches, that they have a plan and they have an idea. And, you know, week to week, you know, this thing will keep building and building. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I've been a little slow to jump on the AEW bandwagon train. I mean, with the shows in the summertime, all in and, and uh, all that. I've been imp- I was impressed. I liked what I saw. I thought they had potential. But I, I wanted to take a wait-and-see approach. And uh, through three weeks, I've been impressed. I, I like the product. I like the show. It feels like an event. That's been one of my critiques with Raw the last few years is that it doesn't have that big event feel. It doesn't have that big match or that big um, atmosphere feel to it. And AEW every week feels like the biggest show on TV. And that's what I want my wrestling shows to feel like. It feels like this is a can't-miss event. This is like you should be watching it. Like if you're not watching AEW right now, like it's a problem. Like that's how I want to feel. That's how I want the presentation of the show to feel. Um, so I like that. I really do. Um, I, I like how they're booking certain guys. I, I I can see where you're coming from with the with the booking of Cody and and uh, especially um, you know especially um, Omega. Um, I actually like that these guys are self aware and they know that people have that kind of expectation that oh well they are the, the heads of the company so they're just going to book themselves to just look super strong and they've actually booked against that um i do think that you know when you do too much of that i think it's going to be counterproductive but i actually like the fact that they're that they recognize that from the onset and are kind of going against that but um yeah man it's not much to, it's not much to knock aw on man um I, I really like the show i really like the product um i think it could be better um i think it only could be better from here um you know, I, I like the fact that they're not trying to be like, I think they're, they're going at WWE, but they're not trying to be WWE. They're not just trying to be WWE light. Cause I think that was one of the bigger issues that TNA had throughout its run. Um, you know, is that it tried to be WWE. It wanted to be WWE. It, it, it just signed, it just kept signing WWE rejects that it, it just felt the perception felt like they were WWE light. And I think AEW is very, being very careful about not doing that, and I and I, I commend them for that. So yeah, man. I mean, not not too much to knock on AEW, man. It's it, um, it's a good show. If you haven't been watching it, um, check it out for real. Um, in response to that, WWE, um, how do you think they've handled AEW over the last, let's say, the last month of this? Um, what's been your thoughts on WWE, the product, obviously that this this disastrous Hell in a Cell main event? Wow. <laughs> Lots to unpack. But I'm gonna yeah. keep it short. Um, I honestly think that I feel that WWE is in a place uh financially where they feel like we're gonna put this out there, people are gonna watch. No matter what. If we make mistakes, people are still gonna watch. If people complain about the bookings, people are still gonna watch. So it's almost that Teflon, you know, where we can do wrong, but so what? Y'all still gonna watch? And it doesn't matter how much we complain. It doesn't how much matter we get on Twitter and just tweet and you know, tweet nonsense and all this type of stuff. They're gonna be what they're gonna be right now until somebody comes along and says, "Hey, um, this is man. Uh, just like your dad, it was time for him to go, and you got your dad out the paint." it's time for you to get out of the paint. You don't have to go away, but I just think creatively they need to be somewhere else, especially on the main roster, because NXT is fine. And everybody see what um, 
Triple H is capable of, no matter how you feel about him as, you know, as a wrestler or whatever, but as a, a booker and somebody who can build a show and can actually see what the future is, he's on point. It's just like my one small little um, example is, look how different, um, look how different uh, the Street Profits are on Raw compared to how they act on NXT. NXT is like they're an extension of themselves. On Raw, it's like they're cooning. And mm-hmm. yeah, basically, that's the example I can give. That's the best example I can give. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I mean, this is—I mean, it's what can you say about WWE at this point? That hasn't been said. That hasn't been dissected on every podcast in America. It, it's just it, like not to get into a rant because I know we got to get to joke or stuff, but like, it, it, like. You would think that they would have some competitive energy, some juice, like, yo, we got this new company. Even though if we don't believe long-term they're going to last and they're going to compete with us. Like, you would think, like, a little competitive juice would, would fire them up a little bit and be like, you know what? All right, look at these little cute little upstarts. Let me, let me, let me show you what the big boys – let me, let me show you what, 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 what the big dogs do here. And it's just like they've just been – it's been – honestly, they've been worse. They have been worse since AEW came on TV. Like it, it, it's it's lit, like it, they could not have been worse. It's just it's it's like they just are so tone deaf, and and it starts at the top with one guy. It's an audience of one, and I don't you know and and you know what this may be this may be different than other wrestling takes. You know who I blame? I don't blame Vince. I don't blame Triple H. I don't blame the entire infrastructure. I blame the fans. I blame us. I blame us. And I'm I'm right there with you. I dropped down my cold hard cash to go to WrestleMania, you know, most years and, you know, network subscriptions yeah. and T-shirts and all that. I blame us because we're the sheep. We're the ones that continuously go out there, pour the money into this company and get received a shitty product. And we just, we bitch about it. We complain about it. We moan about it. And guess what? We'll be there at the next pay-per-view. We'll be there at the next WrestleMania. We'll be there at the next house show. Right. We'll be there at the next TV taping. Like, it's just, it's, it's, where's the, where's the blame? You want to change things in WWE? Guess what? Turn the TVs on. Start dropping off you know, record numbers. And I just said that, I just said that recently. I was like, you know, it's becoming a thing of, we can skip a show. And Raw is looking, that, looking like the show that people can start skipping. I mean, that's just now. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen or, you know, if they can turn things around. But I just feel like um, as far as the fans go, I think it's just become a thing of, it's a habit now. It's a habit for a lot of us. Yeah, a lot of but it's, over- it's like sometimes you got to, you got to, you got to kick a habit, man. Like smoking, like I get smoking is a habit, but at some point it becomes, do you want to die or do you want to live to see, you know, 70? Like at some point you got to answer that. You got to actually ask that question. And it's like, why continue to watch a product that just continuously has shown you it doesn't give a fuck about you? Well, you know, I'm going to say, honestly, for me, it's because they have so... Okay. Uh, We really got to get the Joker, but the the talent that they have on that roster may be the greatest talent. I'm talking about the main roster. Yes. It may be the greatest talent they've ever had. Absolutely. There's so many... So many people um, that you want to root for and that you enjoy. Like I, I enjoy watching the Chad Gable match. I enjoy watching Kofi Kingston. I enjoy um, seeing Samoa Joe on TV. I enjoy Brock Lesnar. So it's almost the thing of well, I like these people and I like to see these matches. And you know, you can watch Raw and find three things that you like, but then it's like, oh no, that extra hour just brings six mm-hmm. six other things that you hate. 
Right. And it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like I said. I, I get it, man. People, I get it, Jeff. I get it. I really do. I'm with you. Like, I, I love it. I love Kevin Owens. I love watching Kevin Owens. I love watching Sami Zayn, although he's just criminally underused. I love watching Daniel Bryan. Like, I love, I, I, I get it. I understand. You know what I equate it to? I, I equate it to being in an abusive relationship and that female that's like, he gonna change. He gonna change. I know he threw me down the steps today, but but I can see it. He's he's gonna change. Like I know it. He, y'all don't know him like I know him. And like after yeah. a while, like sis, it's you. Like it's you, sis. Like no, nah, it's not everybody else. No, it's not. Oh, you just don't know him like I know him. No, it's you. You're the idiot. Like I, I'm sorry. Like I, I blame myself. And, I, and again, I'm not I'm not sitting here saying like I'm above it all because I, I blame myself. I went to WrestleMania this year. I threw down my cold hard cash. I sat out there in the cold and the rain to watch WrestleMania. Like, oh, don't bring I, that back up. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So it's okay. But, 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 um, but yeah, I blame the fans, bro. I blame us. Like, we're the ones that have to take power into our own hands. Again, you want things to change in WWE? Stop going to Monday Night Raw. Stop going to house shows. And I know that the numbers are down and stuff like that. But no, start going in droves. Make it a mission. Make it a mandate. Like, yo. You want things to change? Hit them where it hurts the most, their pockets. The underrated thing that happened in the 90s and in the new generation era where, where things, where business was bad, it was a lot of different aspects of that, that why business was bad. But in large part was the fans were just not watching. They were just like, yo, we don't like this. We don't, we'd rather watch ECW. We'd rather watch these guys throw each other through tables and beat the shit out of each other because the characters are compelling, the storylines are compelling, the presentation of it feels authentic and gritty and grimy. And they just said, you know what? We're just not paying attention to this shit. And that's what caused it to change. So I feel like the fans have more power than they do, but they just continuously sit on the internet and just bitch and moan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to get into a WWE rant. It's just it's hard not. Yeah, it's it, it's like, it, it, it's, it's like a, a WWE thing is a, a it's a podcast that can go for two to two hours almost, just because it's almost like it was like you say it's an abusive relationship, and you're thinking about where that first year they were so nice to me, and <laughs> ABC, I know I can get that back. Yeah. I know I can get yeah. it back. And before anybody think, I'm not talking about the overrated attitude era. I'm just saying that. There was a time where whoa, 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 whoa! I'm, I'm gonna let you slide on that overrated talk, but go ahead. The attitude era was overrated. We can talk about it all there, but it was overrated. We, 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 we'll, we'll save that for another episode. We'll save that for another episode. But, um, <laughs> okay. Because that's yeah. Because we won't even get to joking if we start talking about the attitude era. No, but I, I, I feel you, man. I, I feel you, dog. Like I really do. But I, I honestly, like, I feel like it's like, like you said, it's like it's the abusive relationship. Yeah, I don't know. You don't know him like I know him. Trust me, we, we've we've shared long walks together, and he's not the, he's not that. I know he I know he beat me with a steel pipe, but you know it, you know, and I ended up in the hospital and I lost a baby. But y'all don't know him like I know him. Like it, it's just. An I mean, the reality is, we should have jumped off this uh, WWE thing um, as soon as the Katie Vick thing happened. But that, like you said, that's another story, bruh. Man, I, I, there's a lot of should have jumped off the WWE thing. I mean, I don't, I've lost count after a while. But uh, yeah, man, let's switch side because again, we can we can we can dissect WWE for hours and hours on end, man. Um, yeah, Joker. Um, you finally have seen it. Um, we talked about it on Jeff V versus the World. Um, we're, we're gonna get into it a little bit differently here. Um, just kind of think of you know, just start with your overall thoughts on the film, what you liked, didn't like. Um, 
surprises, things of that nature. So we'll start with the things that you loved about the film. Then we, so, so give me three things you loved, three things you hated about this, or, or didn't like uh, the film. What I loved, uh, okay, it's not in order what I loved, but the cinematography, uh, I felt that it was shot beautifully. Um, they got a lot of great shots, and I think they got that grittiness and and they really wanted it to be like almost street level. And I mm-hmm. almost feel like that this movie could fit right in with that Dark Knight Christopher Nolan universe. Like this could, movie could fit right in there. Um, Joaquin Phoenix performance. And I think the third thing is I did appreciate the nod, the tip of the hat to other movies that, that have come before it. And like I said, uh, on my show, uh, King of Comedy, uh, Taxi Driver, and uh, Falling Down. I do appreciate that because you can see certain things from each movie in this film. Yeah. Uh, what are the things? What are the three things that just you weren't feeling? You didn't necessarily hate it, but you just kind of like, well, I don't know about that one. Huh. I don't think it was really three things, and I think it was just one really big thing. Okay. And we'll we'll bring it back from my show to here is that I don't think Todd Phillips really wanted this. I, I don't think he really accepted this to be a, a a comic movie, a comic book movie. And after we talked on our show, I, I I'm starting to understand and see what you're saying there that maybe it was a thing of where it was just a comic book movie that we weren't used to. Like, it's been years from the Nolan movies. Like, so those aren't the movies we're looking at. And now we're looking at a lot of uh, lights and colors and with your Marvel Universe and with your, you know, Wonder Woman and with your Shazam. So for this to come out and the way it was shot and the way that he did it now, I'm starting to kind of back up on what I said on my show. But I'm for right now, I, so I'm still going to say I don't think he's fully – he didn't fully accept that this was a comic movie because if you take away the Joker character, this movie stands tall without that. Without mm. any of that okay. stands tall. Yeah, no, I feel you, man. And like we talked about early on on Justice versus the World. Um, I, I get that sentiment and I and I understand it, but I really believe like that was by design. I really feel like he was trying to make this film. He wasn't trying to make the Joker, like the comic book Joker. He was trying to make a film. A, a character study about a man that could become or could eventually lead to being a man like the Joker. And it just so happens that he incorporated, you know, Joker, Arkham Asylum, Gotham, little things of that nature. Um, and that's what I think makes it stand out because I think, I think the problem with DC has had in a long time is that they've tried to be Marvel. You know, kind of like the, the, the TNA and the AEW versus WWE's talk that we had just now. Um, I, I think you get into that trap of, hey, we're DC. Marvel was there first. We're just going to try to out-Marvel Marvel. And you just, you can't out-Marvel Marvel. Marvel does what they yeah. do. Let Marvel do what they do. You at DC, you got to come at it from a different perspective. Like, okay, we're not going to, we're not Marvel. We're not going to give you the laser light shows and, and the larger than life characters from that perspective. But we're going to give you more grounded, well-rounded stories in a real world setting. And I think that if DC starts doing that, and even, even with their other, like, and I, and I said it on the show that DC is really on a hot streak right now. It started with Wonder Woman, yeah. Aquaman, 
and now Shazam, and now, of course, this movie. So that's now four really good, I would argue, great movies in a row. And I think the thing that those, those movies have in common is that they're not building a universe. They're, I, even though technically Wonder Woman kind of sort of was in, a, in that Man of Steel universe or whatever. But, yeah, but, yeah. but for, for the sake of my argument, whatever. What made Wonder Woman great was it wasn't trying to set up four other Wonder Woman movies. It, it was contained in its own movie, its own story. And same thing for Aquaman, same thing for Shazam. And I also think that is that it's in a real world setting. Like, I believe that Shazam can happen right outside this, this building that I'm in right now. Like, I can believe that. Like, a dude that just randomly gets powers and is doing dumb shit on the internet, on YouTube for money. Like, like <laughs> I can believe that. Like, I can believe Wonder Woman. Like, I can believe this goddess fish out of water. And even though we've seen that story before, it just feels more believable than a Marvel movie. It feels more believable than Captain America Winter Soldier. It feels more believable than that. So I feel like Marvel is in that situation, or DC's in that, in that mode where let's just make well-rounded, grounded stories based in reality. And we'll catch him that way. And I think that that's what Todd Phillips was trying to do. Like, I think he's just trying to make a movie that I think relates to a lot of people. And I feel like it, it, it's a movie that is left up to interpretations. Um, we talked about it a lot on the show. Um, what, what's the biggest interpretation that you're, what's the biggest thing that you, that you were left with, with the show or with the, with the movie? Um, the, 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 talk, talk to him about the fact that you think that everything, and I, oh, and I should have said this before. We're getting into Joker. Spoiler alert. If you have not seen Joker, I don't know why you haven't seen Joker. It's been out for three weeks, damn it. Go see it. It's a great movie. Um, probably has one of the best Oscar performances of the year so far in Walking Phoenix. If you have not seen it, go see it. If you, if you are planning to go see it and you have not seen it just yet, spoiler alert from here on out. So if you want to drop off and come back to us when you have seen it, by all means, we'll highlight y'all later. Um, anyway, spoiler alert now. Um, so you talked about it, the end scene with him talking to the nurse and the joke. Just go ahead and just for, for those that may not listen to your show and listen to our first discussion or whatever, talk about that. Okay. So what I feel like, I feel like that none of, none of, none of the things that happened in the movie from when we saw from when he's sitting down with the social worker and she mm-hmm. says, um. Uh. Did you ever? Do you ever think about the things that you did? You know how you got locked up the first time. I think he's still locked up, but his mind takes him away, and that's the whole movie. And then at the end, we get to what's so funny, and you wouldn't get the joke. I don't think anything in the movie happens. Um. That's just my interpretation today. Tomorrow, two weeks from now, a month from now, it could totally change. Uh. Because this is what this movie is. This movie is. Left up, left up to your interpretation of how you take the movie. Um, I don't think it's a movie where, and like I said, I was uh, texting you a, uh, a day or two ago, and I told you that you know I was at the comic shop, and it was like four or five of us just sitting there talking. It was just like we all had different ideas of how to, what the movie was, and you mm-hmm. know what we thought about or something. And it was great because that's one thing I think he did want at the end of the movie because. He was going for the nitpicking of everybody saying, well, why are you going to do a Joker movie, brother? Joker doesn't have an origin. And he left it just like that, like a comic book would. Like, is this a Joker? Is this uh, the, uh, the, the the person that would end up uh, actually being the one to go against Batman for years and years and years? Or is this just the person that gives the real Joker the idea to become the Joker? You know, we don't know. And I think the movie left it in a good spot for you to feel how you want to feel about the uh, the movie. But 
I just think the movie did a really good job of um showing you, taking you inside Arthur Fleck's mind because a lot of the things that you see aren't really happening. And like I said on my show, he becomes an unreliable narrator of the film. Like, we don't know exactly what was real and what's not real. And they they hit you right over the top of the head with that in the beginning where him and his mother are sitting on the bed watching the Murray show. So they let it be known right then and there because who knows? Somebody might, you know, somebody else may be thinking, hey, everything after, everything, when he fell on his mother's bed, everything, was, everything after that was fake. Every, none of that stuff ever really happened. See, we don't know because that's one good, that's the one thing I love about this movie is like, there's no right and wrong answers. There's not. And until the director comes out, until Joaquin Phoenix come out and say, hey, this is what it was supposed to be, we can just all just guess and talk about this. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and, and that's what makes this film brilliant, is the fact that it is left up to interpretation. It is left up to your own mind and your own devices of, of interpreting, interpreting the story. And I think that that's what, that's what films like this, you know, even, even Taxi Driver to a certain extent, like it kind of left it open-ended. Like it, it was, you know, did Travis Bickle survive? Was Travis... Was all of this in Travis's head? Was was Travis really the villain? Was he a victim? You know, like it's a lot of different ways that we can go with it, and and I'm sure that if we, you know, everybody, if a, if a thousand people listen to the show, you'll have 999 different opinions of what the film was about. You know, love or hate. You know, what I mean, so it, it, it's one of those brilliant films that I think it makes you think about things. But you know, we talked about the film and what we liked or whatever. But what I really want to talk about, especially on this podcast is the conversation that this film is, is starting to have. And I think what this film is really trying to do. And, and, and I love films that have an eye on the real world and an eye on society. And I think that they're mm-hmm. trying to open up a bigger conversation. And I think what this film was trying to open up a bigger conversation of is a critique on society and how we treat the mental, mental health in this country and the mentally ill. And I think that it, it was brilliant in that this film basically tells you that we are like, what responsibilities do we bear in creating the Joker? What responsibilities do we bear in creating the next mass shooter? You know, the next serial killer, you know, the next, you know, name horrible person. Like what, what responsibility do we bear in that? You know, and I think that's a brilliant conversation that this movie is trying to get at. What do you think? Yeah. Because, you know, another thing I know is that movie, I, I don't know if for you, for me, and this is one thing I love about movies, that movie, the movie, the movie had me feeling uncomfortable. And Absolutely. it yeah. needed to make you feel uncomfortable because it starts off making you feel uncomfortable with him just laughing. And you're thinking, what's so funny? And, you know, as you keep watching, you realize he has a, an affliction where he just laughs. And it's and it's it's a painful laugh. It almost bring no two bringing tears to his eyes. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to, but right. and you just see how people look at him. You see how people stare at him. You see how people uh, how he was treated on the subway, and that makes you go into your deadline, especially here in New York City. You know how some of those people are on the subway or out in the street, and how we as people treat them. And if there, I think uh, I think one of the things that hit me was this is a conversation that a lot of people don't want to have, and they just want to look at it as oh this movie A B C and D, but let's talk about 
how how do you treat mentally ill people? What happens when you see a mentally ill person? How do you react? And you know, it's, yeah. it's almost like turning the mirror on yourself and saying, "What do you do? What, what, how do you know?" It's 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 heavy. It's heavy. It's a heavy movie. It's an uncomfortable movie. Um, and one thing I know this is a little sideways. I was really surprised about some of the parents bringing kids. I had like three or four kids when I went to go see. Really, I was just a little thrown off. That always shocked me. Like I, I feel like I feel like these people do this on purpose. Honestly, like I feel like these people, like yo, you know, it's the Joker, right? Like I think, like I, you can't be like, you know what? If you want to tell me that in 1992 you didn't know that Batman Returns was going to have a plot where Penguin was trying to kill the firstborn sons of Batman, like I understand it. It was pre-internet. Like you're just thinking, oh, it's Batman, mommy, daddy, I want to go see Batman. Like you're not thinking that. But like in 2019, you can Google movies, you can Google plots. Like you trailers are more elaborate than they've ever been. Like I'm sorry, you bear some responsibility if you bring your child to a movie that's crazier than you thought it would be. Like I'm sorry, you do. I don't even care if you're a movie buff or a person like that. Like do the research. If it's a movie that you, your son or your daughter wants to go see, do some research. Take five, ten minutes. Look up some YouTube reviews. Look up some YouTube videos. Look at, you know, a- analyze the ratings. See the things that you you feel comfortable taking your son to or not, or daughter to or not. Like, I, I've never understand that. Like, I feel like these people kind of do it on purpose. That like they they purposely go to these movies that may be iffy for their kids and then feel triggered and then be like, oh my god, I was triggered. Like, dog, you went to the yeah. Movie. Like, what did you think was gonna happen? It's just, uh, I was but just you know that. Really? How did you feel about the controversy of the film? Because that's another thing that I wanted to get into: the, the, the backlash, the 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 oh, this movie is objectifying. You know, it, you know, it's 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 making Joker a sympathetic character, so it's gonna it's gonna lead to more well, people doing these things. Like, how did you I, feel about that whole controversy? I was a little indifferent about it because I understood what some people were saying. And then, you know, I just, I took a step back. I I wanted to see the movie for myself first. And the one thing I wanted the movie to be was uh, sort of responsible. And I think, I I think it, I think it was, I think it was because they, you know, the ended kind of did that because if it would have ended off with him, you know, doing the bloody smile in the street, I'd have been like, yeah, is this a story you really want to tell? Like, is this this the way you really mm-hmm. want to end it? Because mm-hmm. somebody sitting in the movie theater who may, you know, who may be off, I hate to say it, or who may be thinking another way, or maybe feel like author, the character author, maybe like, yeah, this is what I should do, or maybe I should do this. Um, but it was responsible. And what they did was, he did bring it back to the comic. And is this whole thing, is it real or is it not? What you do you believe? So I think it was responsible in that. Um, and, you know, you just know how it is with controversy with movies. And, you know, everybody wants to go back what happened with the Dark Knight, um, with the shootings happening and stuff like that. And I can understand that to a certain degree, too, because we are living in a time of, you know, you got a lot of things going out in the world as far as shootings everywhere. And it seems like every month now we're hearing about stuff like this. So I can... You know, I can I, I can see what people were, you know, a little in an uproar about it and stuff like that. But like I said, I always want I, I wanted to see the movie first to make right. sure it was being a responsible movie. You know, not just throwing something out there to be like, yeah, you know, let's champion the Joker. And it wasn't anything like that. Yeah, you're right. It, it didn't glorify it. It didn't objectify it. 
I honestly, I I didn't understand the controversy. Like, I just did not get it. Like, honestly, this film is not even that violent. Like, I was surprised at the, I mean, there's violent moments in it. But, I mean, compared to some other films, I mean, it's not even as violent as Deadpool. I mean, Deadpool, See, and Deadpool I think- is way more violent than this film. I know Deadpool is done more in tongue-in-cheek than it is for, for, That's why. for horror and scare. But I mean, if, even if you look at other movies in that similar, in the similar category, like this movie is not as violent as, you know, Taxi Driver. Like Taxi Driver to me was way more violent than this film. Um, it's more, it's you know, not. Maniac was more violent. You know what I mean? Like I just, I, I didn't understand the, cause some people were harping on, oh, it's overly violent and da da da. And I'm just like, really? Like, did, have y'all seen the movies? Cause I'm like, this movie it, wasn't that violent. It was too grounded. It was too grounded. It was too, it was almost too close to touch because it's, right. it's almost something that can, it, it's, these things are happening in society where people like this feel like this and are acting out in certain ways or are doing things or doing shootings or whatever it may be. And it was too close to home. So that's how people react and say, oh, it's controversial. No, you can't do this. You being, you know, you, you, you can't have this movie out here. It's too much violence and stuff like that. See, that violence is just too real because it's basically a mirror in front of 2019, you know, yeah. America, the United States, the world. Yeah, I, I get that. I understand that. I get that. I, I've, I've never bought the, the violence in movies and video games argument. Like, I, I've always I've always felt like it's a bullshit. I've always felt like it's, cop out, it's like a cop-out to, to, to hide from the real issues. And I think that this film, I, and I think that this is why this film triggered so many people, because I think this film, honestly, it throws up the middle finger to that and says, no, it's not about violence in movies. It's not about entertainment. It's not about video games or anything. No, it's about how we treat each other. It's how about how we treat other people, especially people that are mentally ill, that are handicapped, that have issues. And, you know, this is the reason why these things are going on, whether you agree with that or not. Like, I think that that's what this film was trying to talk about is that, no, point, look the thing, look the, point the finger at yourself. Did you treat somebody that was not all there yeah. right today? Did you do enough? Did, just by you waving at somebody, just by you saying hi, smiling in the morning, like, did you, you know, you may have contributed to this person not snapping or not, or, or, or snapping. Like, I, I think that this is what this film, and I think that this was this film tried to do. I think it was by design, but I think this film is definitely shining a light on that. Cause I, like, I've always felt like that excuse has always been bullshit. Like, no, I don't blame video games and televisions for violence. Like, I think there's other issues that are way more responsible than these things. Um, yeah, man, I, I think it's an interesting discussion, I and mean, it's an interesting philosophical discussion to have about this film. And, and I love that there's a film in 2019 that makes you think like this. Yeah, it, it, it's almost like it's almost like this Joker movie needed to happen around this time. Absolutely, because I've yep. been, it, it, it it's so many discussions that now are being talked about. And I know some people say, "Oh, it took a movie to have this discussion." Yeah, you know, it's been talked about, but, you know, sometimes you have to bring a light on certain things. Sometimes, you know, in an easier way, because it's different than, you know, somebody saying, oh, somebody snapped in, uh, uh, in a store and started shooting because they were mentally ill. You can't really, you know, you hear it, but it's not resonating with you. But you see a movie that touches you, that makes you feel uncomfortable, that makes you think about, like you said, how did you treat somebody today? What did you say to somebody? Did you call somebody crazy today? And now these discussions can be had. You know, I'm not saying how long they're gonna be had, 
But I'm glad this movie is out here at this time. Like you said, you know, I'm pretty sure they had the same conversations when Falling Down, when Taxi Driver, when A King of Comedy came. I'm pretty sure these, you know, these discussions were had. And it's good in 2019 that these conversations are happening again. Um, I just hope they continue because, you know, the only way to fix a problem or to uh, uh, really tackle a problem is to talk about it and not talk about it about you, 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 or me, 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 but actually have some real dialogue, some discourse about the issues and situations that's really going on in the world. And it's sad that it takes a movie. It's sad that it, you know, I know people say, oh, yeah. you shouldn't take a movie, but it, but let's be real. It takes a movie sometimes. It takes an album. It takes something like that. It takes a documentary or a TV show. Like it takes these things sometimes to kind of make us like look at things in a different perspective because we're not listening to what's going on in the world. We're not, you know, we're not watching the news. We're not looking at these things from a real world perspective. So sometimes like it, it does take entertainment to do that. It's almost like it's almost it has to be movies now because you see how you see how everything's changed. Music is fast. TV is fast. Um, mm-hmm. Everything is so fast right now. Yeah, it it may take a movie to get people to start talking because the world is just so different than it was what hell ten years ago. Yeah, absolutely. A um, couple more things. Um, where do you think legacy wise? What legacy does this movie have? Like, what, what did this? I know it's hard. To, the movie's been out for what three weeks now, so it's, it's hard to talk about legacy. But I mean, what what lasting impact will this film have in your opinion? I think the lasting impact of this movie will be its performance. I, I really do. I think I think out of everything, it's going to be the performance. I think, like we said on uh, my uh, my show, I believe this will be a, a movie that will be taught in classes. I believe this will be a movie that will be talked about in a lot of different you know places and areas because it's uh, it, it's just so I guess raw and it's right there and it's so. It's so real. It's so like what's happening that it just is. It just has a lot of. It just has everybody who's seen it talking, and it's good that we're talking. Um, but the number one thing is it's going to be. I think the performance. I think people will go back to this performance and be like, "Wow!" And I'm not putting it. Heath Ledger's performance as a Joker was something completely different. We'll get, now, we'll get to that. We'll get to it. And if you want to. Uh, this this standalone Joker movie, this movie alone, what Joaquin Phoenix did is is amazing. It's amazing the depth that he went to. I don't even know what it did to him, you know, really in his personal life. I hope, you know, I hope he's okay. I'm pretty sure he had to go to certain places and learn certain things and do certain things. And, you know, to get to that point, to get to the, to bring that character to life. And look at the toll that it took on Heath Ledger and, you know, ultimately what that happened with that. Um, it, it's just the Joker, man. He's a, he's not. Is you know, I just remember watching the replays of the campy, you know, what sixties version, and mm-hmm. to see what Joker is now and how we see the Joker, it's, it's just amazing. And it, you know, it's almost like what happened. And I think it was like the world, the society, everything changed as the world kept going. The Joker changed and. You know, people see him in so many different ways now that I guess this will be that Joker that people really remember now. Without the Batman, I think eventually, you know, this will be the one that'll be standing on top because he went to a place where it it was almost 
it wasn't even like any other Joker before. You know, like, like I can, I can see, I can see a little bit of grabbing from each of them, but he really, really made it his own. Yeah, he did, man. He he did. What do you think this does to comic book to the comic book genre in, in, as a whole? Like, what do you think this does to the? Um, does it does it flip it on its ear? Does does it make other people that are making no. comic book films kind of like, oh, like this is what you can do now? Like, this is what this is the next step in the evolution of a comic book film? I don't think so. I think with this, I think that what this is going to do. I, the only thing I think this is really going to do is make more brave choices when it comes to comic book, knowing that. I can still make a great uh, TV show. Look at The Boys. I don't know if you watched that on Amazon. I have not. I have not. not. Oh, wow. It was amazing. And it was nothing like any other TV show, comic show that came on. It was different. Um, With this movie, The Joker, like I said, you can almost put this in the Nolan universe, but it was a little more grittier, a little more dirtier almost. And I think this gives, like I said, this gives studios, this gives directors, this gives writers, I think this gives them that confidence to say, okay, we don't have to be Marvel. We do, we, we can go here. We can go there to certain points, and I think the fans, I think the audience will be receptive of it as long as, we, you know, we treat it with care, respect, and we respect our audience as far as, you know, whatever it is, you know, we may dive into yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And then I guess my final question, uh, you know, I have to ask, right? Is Ledger, Nicholson, or Phoenix, who's, who's the best Joker of all time? Um, Can't forget my man Mark Hamill, too, from the animated series. Cannot, we'll throw him in there as well. Okay, if if I had this, I think I still stay, I think I still would stay with Ledger, but until I see um, Joker a couple of more times, that could change. But he's right there at number two. I think Hamill at number three, and I think Nicholson at number four. Nicholson Nicholson been dropping, and that's just because of I think Nicholson's only dropped. He's still the OG to a certain degree because we know really it's like the '60s version of. Caesar, was a Caesar Ramon? I can't think of his name. I, I can't yeah, he, he he's really the OG, but um yeah, uh Nicholson only drops it just because, you know, time. That's the only reason. Right. You know, right. And it was a, it was a different interpretation of the Joker too. It, yeah. It wasn't like, the maniacal that Joker that we know him as. Yeah. 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 Um yeah. for me, I, I I for me, I do think it's it's ledger. Um, because I think let you're seeing you're seeing the Joker at its peak. You're seeing what Arthur Fleck eventually goes on to become. While Joaquin Phoenix is still playing that cross between Arthur Fleck and Joker in his infancy. So I think if now I think if we were to see more iterations of Joaquin Phoenix as a Joker, then I think he definitely has an opportunity to be the best Joker of all time. Okay. But I think but I think just Right. It's like okay. it's like it's like it's like if you're looking at an athlete, like if you're looking at it from his career peaks to his rookie year, and then you're looking at it from the you know, his last few years, like to me, Joker is like Heath Ledger's Joker is him winning MVPs, you know, him winning batting titles, throwing for five thousand yards, while this Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, is like, oh, okay, you won the rookie of the year. You know what I'm saying? He's he's showing that. He's Zion, like he's got the athleticism. He's a 21 year old bull. He's got the opportunity to be that. So I think, I think 
that's how I would split the baby. But I mean, honestly, if somebody came up to me and told me, yo, I think Joaquin Phoenix might be the greatest joke of all time. I, I would disagree with them, but uh, I mean, I, you know, it's kind of hard to argue. Is he, it was a hell of a performance, man. Hell of a performance. Yeah. It, 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 it took you somewhere where Heath, Lodge, Heath Ledger's Joker didn't go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Personal, like, it was like, a personal route. Yeah. 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 Because uh, Legends was anarchy. That's all it was. It was just straight up anarchy. That's, that's it. But my team was like it was it was it was personal. It was emotional. It was you saw you didn't see everything, but you saw enough to know what got him to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it is absolutely. interesting. It is interesting that I heard uh Leto Jerry Leto was so upset that I guess he's saying he don't want to be Joker no more. Like it's over. Like since they did, because he didn't want them to make this movie at all. Without him, dog. You yeah. and I didn't hate the Jared Leto Joker. Like he was fine. Like I didn't hate him. Like to me, like I think Jared Leto suffered from. It, it was still people were still thinking of Ledger's Joker. So like I, I think that anything that that came after, and I know that this comes after Ledger's Joker, but anything that came after Ledger's Joker is going to be held by that magnifying glass of Heath Ledger. It's going to be looked through that lens. And I think a lot of people just was like, eh, he sounds quite, I, I didn't, I didn't mind him. Like, I didn't think he was great, but I didn't think it was bad. He only, he only had two scenes in the whole damn movie. So I, I would have liked to have seen more before I made a full determination one way or another. But honestly, like, I think- it, the grill is the grill. The grill. Yeah, the, the grill, grill. The grill. Yeah. The grill. The grill was yeah. Like I would have no. been fine if he didn't do any of that. And I was just like, "What is he watching?" The Joker watched a lot of Tupac, and now this is what we got. Yeah. No, the, the 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 Joker was was emo was emo pop runk pop grunge. Like what is what is this? Like like <laughs> did the Joker become a member of Avenged Sevenfold? Like really? Like this? Why? Why is this? Why? Like, yeah. no, it's, it's it's yeah. I, like I get they were trying to differentiate him from Ledger, but yeah, it just it didn't work. Again, I I would have liked to have seen more because I like Jericho. <laughs> And I, I would have liked to have seen more of that performance in a bigger stage, but dude, just let it go, man. The dude killed it. Just, it, just you know what? Take the class route. Say, hey, man, I'm disappointed. I would have loved to have been the person that have carried the story and this and this role. But you know, big ups to my man Joe King, Joaquin Phoenix for for doing this and knocking it out of the park. Whatever. Just like, just take the classy route, man. Because you're making yourself look like an ass. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just interested in how this works now because I've I've seen Todd Phillips and Joaquin say, you know, this is a standalone. You know, we're not looking to get in that universe, but I know money talks. I don't care who you are. Um, so things could change, and I'm I'm curious. Like, can we see eventually Patterson and Joaquin Phoenix, you know, standing, you know, next to each other? That's I think it, I think it I think it all depends on how that movie, how that Matt Reeves Batman performs. I really do. I think it. I think if it comes out and it changes the game, kind of like Batman Begins, and, and, and it does that, then I think I think you definitely will see Joaquin because he he has he's kind of been coy about it. Like he hasn't completely ruled it out. Like he did say this film is a standalone film, but that he's. But I've seen other interviews where he says he'd be open to the idea of revisiting, which is coy for you know, if if the situation is right, if the money is right, I'll do it. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, it's going to be very interesting. I think it, I think it definitely depends on Matt Reeves' back. I really do. I think it depends on how that movie performs, how, how it's received. If 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 it does well, if it does great numbers, if it push, if it moves the needle, um, then I definitely I I could at least see people exploring it. But I kind of I kind of don't want him to have a be a part of the universe. Like I kind of I feel like that would hurt the legacy of this film if if you do see Joaquin Phoenix in other. Batman, like in other DC movies, like I don't know, don't you think like it would hurt it a little bit? Um, it's all about how you do it. I think that's what's going to come down to. I think it's about like if they if, like this movie hits and it's like you get a Batman one, two, and then that third one is like, hey, we might bring in a joint. You hit that laugh, and it's kind of right. like you know you'll get oh snap, you know, I don't know, and you know you can all. I get what you're saying, but I think it's a way you can you can finesse it. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think there is a way that you can do it. I just I, I, what I worry is that the expectation is going to be through the roof that you're never going to be able to top this performance. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like, yeah, I don't know. You better yeah, off just leaving think, it as this. I don't think I don't think you could top this performance because you can't. I'm gonna tell you yeah. this. But you know how comic know fans think, like, you know you're going to have to exceed the, the performance. Like, because if he comes out in Batman 3 or whatever, whatever, right? And it's uh, not as good, and it's his performance, even though, even if, even if Joaquin Phoenix's performance is good, the movie itself is not as good, I feel like it's still going to take away from this film, because I think people are going to look at it inherently and say, well, he was better off in a standalone and you know, I still don't know how I feel about this movie. I'm just like the. <laughs> I just, I, just I, I have to yeah. go. But I'm, I'm thinking I'm gonna go again. Probably uh, when I get off Monday after work, I'm just gonna go again to the movie theater and just watch it again. Like because it it was so much, and I think that I need to settle myself down and just watch the movie again because I think I had a lot of things planned in my head. And I was watching the movie. And I was trying to. You know, trying to figure stuff out, like, wait, wait, what's going on and stuff like that. So maybe right. that was it. Maybe I had my own expectations in the movie and stuff like that. Because it's not a bad movie. I just, no, you no, know, no. I just, uh, you know, I just felt the Joker works better with Batman. But I will say this: Did you notice as the movie progressed, as he became more Joker and leaving Arthur Fleck behind, he didn't have that laughing problem anymore. Yeah, he would just laugh and that just normal. Yeah, I noticed that. I did notice that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I probably, I, I will probably wait till it comes out on, on Blu-ray and buy it because I want some months removed from it, so then I can revisit it with a clear head and then and look at it like, yeah. oh, okay, like it's it's this is absolutely getting bought day one. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have it digital somewhere. Yeah. I'm going to have it. <laughs> you you think Joaquin wins Oscar right now? If you had if you had to, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I if I if I asked you right now. If I put a gun to your head right now and I said, bet your life earnings on whether Joaquin Phoenix wins the Oscar for this performance, do you, do you, do you go all in? Yeah. Or you... yeah, I'm all in with that. Yeah. Remember this show. I'm all in with him winning the Oscar and I'm all in with Jennifer Lopez winning the Oscar for Hustlers. Really? I heard a lot of good things about yep. the Hustle. Like my wife, my wife, she liked it. She didn't, she didn't like think it was as hyped up as it should have been, but... Really, you think J Lo did did her thing on that movie? I, I haven't seen. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, right now, I don't know who you could go for for best actor in, in a in a motion picture right now. I mean, it's, it's still early. I mean, the award season hasn't even really kicked off just yet. 
Um, yeah. But yeah. Right now, I don't. I don't even know who you. I don't even know who you reasonably give it to at this point. Like, it's not Joaquin Phoenix. Like, yeah. And you know what? You know what? I think it's going to be like people are going to be so anti giving it to Joaquin Phoenix that it's not going to happen. Like, they're going to probably be like, oh well, we we gave it to Ledger, so that should be good enough. Yeah, but you can't ignore this performance. You can't. You, you can't you cannot ignore this performance. Dog, just, you, you, it, we all talk about the, the the Academy of Motion Pictures, bro. We all talking about them. I, somebody just had to tell me who else you got in the running right now, and I, yeah, I'm pretty sure they'll find some dry western or whatever movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people have Leonardo DiCaprio and Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood. A lot of people have. Uh, you know, I know that um, Shia LaBeouf is getting a lot of praise for um, his performance in you know that that um, that movie that he just did with um, with Dakota Johnson and the the Blue Falcon, uh, not Blue Falcon, whatever. I, I've seen. It. I, I know sorry. Up. I know someone. Yeah, he's got a lot of praise for that. I mean, I really haven't studied it just yet. I, I usually wait to the end of the year and I look back at all the movies and I think I'm like, oh, this performance is. But right now, like I this this was still with, with three months to go, like or two months to go. Like honestly, I, I can't think of any performance that has impacted me or wowed me in a film like this performance so far this sure. So Yeah, same with me. Like I I'm like, I'm just like you. Once I start hearing the movies they're talking about, then I'll go back and watch them just to see. So I can I'm not gonna go I usually try to go in the Oscars not blind. So I can't say, Oh, I ain't see that, so I don't know. So we'll see. Okay. All right. Jeff, man, it was uh it was amazing to have you on the show, man. A marathon episode, so to speak. I mean, we've we've done two shows in, in, in one setting. This is dope. Never done this before. Uh before you go, man, go ahead and sell yourself. Use these couple minutes to sell yourself. Tell you tell the listeners where they can find you, where they can find your podcast, all that. Hey, if you want more conversation like this, you can check out Jeff versus the world. Um, like I said, uh Tuesdays, I'm usually talking about movies and sports. Uh, two separate shows. I usually bring them out either Wednesday or Thursday. Thursdays I talk wrestling, and it, the rest of the week you never know which podcast I may be on. Uh, again, we talking sports, comics, movies, TV shows, uh, just a whole lot of good stuff, man. A whole lot of nerd stuff, a whole lot of super super nerdy stuff. But it's just fun. I always have a guest. Uh, sometimes I go solo. Uh, if you want to hit me out on social media, you can follow me at Jeff versus the World. I'm always on Twitter. Uh, cracking jokes or talking about things. Uh, you can also check me out on the uh, Jeff vs. the Real Facebook page. When I put the 10 on there, I'm usually like, if I see a movie, I will give you a little paragraph review of it. Uh, I'll tell you what's going on with the podcast for each week. And also, if you got any questions or comments or any good stuff, you want to hit me up at Jeff vs. the World at yahoo.com. Awesome, man. Awesome, man. Thank you for being on the show, man. I really, really appreciate it, man. It's an honor having you on hey. on the podcast, and hopefully hey. this is the first of, of many, many appearances. Yeah, man. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having me on here, because like I said, you know, it was a, almost a damn near a year in the making, and it was like, <laughs> you know, my schedules are just so off. But I can say right now, I definitely got to schedule you in for a wrestling one, because we can really get into it on the wrestling side. Oh, I'm hey, anytime, bro. You just give me a date and a time and a platform. We we in there. We in there like swimwear. So yeah. let me know. We in there. All right. All right, everybody. Um, 
that's it for us this week, man. As always, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. As Jeff can attest, um, you know, you can have the dopest podcast in the world, but if there are no listeners, it don't matter. So thank you, thank you, thank you guys for the bottom of my heart each and every week for listening and subscribing and supporting the show the way that you guys do. As always, you can follow this show on Twitter at AGS Pod, on Instagram, AGS Podcast, on Facebook, Any Given Sunday. Go make sure you become a member of AGS Nation. It's live, it's wild in there. Um, and then, of course, you follow me on Twitter. Twitter at the Manuel Brown on Instagram at the Manuel Brown, Facebook Manuel Brown, and of course Snapchat Manny Bro 15. We're gonna get up out of here, enjoy some football, enjoy some baseball. Hopefully the Yankees don't come back and force a game seven. But um, anyways, man, we're gonna get up out of here. Enjoy the rest of y'all weekend. Have a happy, safe, blessed. We will be back next week with another episode of the podcast. For Jeffrey Jones, I am Manny Brown. We are out of here. Peace. Serious sound.